is the color. Welcome to the FPL Blues Podcast. I'm John Bucks, checking in from Brooklyn, together with my co-host, Brian Chin, out in California. How are we doing today, Brian? You know, after two weeks away, Bucks, I was just ready for some FPL back in my life. Up and at it early, 4.30 in the morning, watching some uh, some of Spurs play. Those two weeks, they went by pretty quick, and now we're in the heart of the season. It feels good to be back, and uh, 4.30, you are a glutton for punishment. I am very grateful to be living on the East Coast where we don't have those same time issues. Yeah, don't don't be jealous of my lack of sleep, although uh, I have no uh, children in the home yet, so I, I feel for you as well on the sleep train. Fair point, fair point. So this week, we are going to recap what happened in a action-packed game week four. There were a lot of wildcard teams out in the FPL game. So we want to touch on how my potential FPL wildcard team that we discussed last episode would have fared, and also make sure to touch on how Brian and my team actually performed. So then we're going to go through the recap, then we're going to actually preview what's going to go on in game week five before we touch on our transfer and captaincy plans before we sign off. Ready to go, Brian? Not to mention community questions, which we had a few uh, centering around some of the budget enablers and the heavy hitters up front. So we'll look forward to addressing those later too. Absolutely. Good point. Sorry, I missed that. Community is the most important thing here at the FPL Blues podcast. That and Green Arrows. <laughs> it's not always just about us, Bucks. We do have a few followers out there. So thanks for listening. We'll answer your questions later. And unfortunately, I was on a red arrow this week, uh, just diving into my team. Uh, a slight, very small 7K red arrow. Ended up on 64 points all up and 256K overall in the world. Some important players for me were Veltman coming into the side. You know, he had just played 45 minutes the previous match and he picks up six big points for me. This time around, and then Mohamed Salah came through with a goal, 16 points as my captain. And then I had Bruno Fernandez, and he got a you know scintillating goal for eight points in my squad. So um, him and TAA did the business in that last match versus Leeds. The Bucks, I don't believe you had Bruno, which is uh, a big change from the last podcast that we did. So uh, tell tell the world what your decisions were leading up to the start of game week four. Yeah, so I had two free transfers going into game week four, and I had been planning to go without Cristiano Ronaldo, and I had really set myself up saying that you know, he wasn't going to start and he was only going to get a small feature, but the longer the week went on, I really recognized that that was not going to happen. He was in full training, and all the reports were that he was going to play. So I bit the bullet. I ended up doing three transfers and taking a hit. I went off Bruno, off Ings, and off Sufal, and I brought in Ronaldo, Jota, and Semedo. So all in all, it ended up working out. My team ended up in the black with that change, but obviously that was very different than the energy I was giving off in the previous podcast. Yeah, I mean, you were telling the listeners to wait it out, and then somehow you're tinkering around with your lineup watching Ted Lasso and... Your wife told you just to make the move, have X fun, and you brought in one of the goats in Ronaldo, and he instantly paid dividends. So congratulations on that working. I mean, looking at those moves, I think your net was only two points positive. But again, that you know takes into consideration the hit, and now you're above the curve because players like 
me are trying to bring in Ronaldo this game week. So you already have him in your lineup. So you're set up well for success. Yeah. So, you know, I took a hit. I ended up with 68 points. Uh, so I had 72 with a minus four, but I are, already have Ronaldo in my team and I already have Bruno out. So I've kind of made some of the changes that I expect are going to be very popular with the FPL community in game week five. I basically had a little gray dot. I went down just under a thousand places from 99k overall to a little bit closer to 100k overall. So pretty happy with how I ended up considering the hit and the lack of goals that were scored uh, in the first half of the main window of games. But yeah, I just think that my team is now shaping up to be in a comfortable position going into game week five. And we'll make sure to discuss kind of, you know, what we're thinking for game week five for our own teams as we dive a little deeper into the episode. Yeah, this is an interesting game week with basically eight matches all on that Saturday. And a lot of our defenders, you know, I'm seeing tons of teams across the board with big returns from their back line. So it's been a, you know, kind of a switch to see some of these defenders picking up six to 10 points. And, uh, you know, there's definitely value if you pick the right defenders in the right matchups. For sure. And, you know, Brian and I both did pretty well. I would say anything over 60 is a really respectable score this game week. But, you know, we should highlight the manager of the game week. And double congratulations are in order for this manager, Simo Lee. He is not only the manager of the game week, and he's also now the top dog in the FPL Blues podcast Super League mini league that we're running. He had a massive 90-point score from his wildcard team. So uh, mini golf clap from both Brian and I, and huge kudos because he was brave. He had Cristiano as his captain, and even his differential choices. He had Mark Saul from the Wolves defender who had two assists and a clean sheet. He had him in his squad and he had Damari Gray, who today uh, we're potting on Monday, looks spectacular in the Everton midfield. So he really gets major kudos. 90 points is a awesome score in any game week. But uh, when the average is around 60 to get 90, you know, you're doing something right. I mean, especially when you're on your first wild card. There are so many times in my FPL career that I have wild carded into a team that would have actually scored less points than my team the, the previous week. So hats off to him. Uh, Simo is one of my guys and he's doing you know really well to start the season. He's got the the flashy team. He's got the uh, the flashy lifestyle to go with it. So congrats, Simo. We'll hopefully be able to track you down here in the next couple of weeks. But, um, you know, I'm feeling positive. As are you, Bucks. We both have our wild cards in hand. A lot of FPL to be played. Yeah, just one last thing on Simo's team. He's right now just outside the top 10K overall, and there are over 8 million managers playing the FPL game. And he's a full 15 points clear of the rest of our league. So hot damn. Like Brian said, we got some some speeding up to do if we're going to catch him and uh, hunt him down over the next couple game weeks. And uh, right now we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to come back with the recaps of the most important games of the weekend and share our thoughts on the players to target moving forward to game week five. We'll be right back. And we're back. We're going to look at the fixtures from game week four and see how the most notable FPL players performed on the weekend who shined on the pitch, and who shined for FPL purposes. We're going to start off with the first match. That seems like the natural place to start. 
And this was a shocker. Crystal Palace 3, Spurs 0. Very surprising finish in this match. You know, the first 65 minutes or so were very even. Uh, Not a lot of ball in possession for Spurs. They actually were probably outplayed in the first half by a fair margin and couldn't control the, the ball in the midfield. And, you know, Sonny Boy missed this match, so it was kind of Kane up top and uh, smorgasbord of the Spurs midfielders. Uh, not very much creativity. And eventually, um, they just got sucker punched by Palace. Uh, the the prodigy, Connor Gallagher, in midfield with another Ooh, really big baby. FPL game, comes in with assist, two assists excuse me, and a clean sheet in this match. And he's only 5.6 million, so you have to add him onto the watch list there. Um, he earned an assist that Zaha, uh, ends up finishing a PK on and gets his first goal of the season for palace. And then later on, he also found a super sub Adsane Edward for an extra time goal and another goal actually. So the super sub comes on for two goals. He was a last signing in the transfer window for palace. They're really overhauling their team and have a lot of new faces there overall. Very impressive win for palace. Yeah, unfortunately, Spurs lose Eric Dyer pretty early in this match. He comes off with uh, injury. He's really not even able to walk off the pitch. Uh, so that's concerning for Nuno. But this was the battle of the new managers between Patrick Vieira and Nuno Esperanto. And Vieira got the best of him. He really, his style is very attacking. I kind of respect that no matter the opponent, Palace are just playing this new kind of more exciting, more gung-ho approach. And you really saw it today. Connor Gallagher looked exceptional in the midfield. He's a young player on loan from Chelsea. So obviously Brian and I like to see that he's doing well and developing. But like Brian said, and kudos to his pronunciation, Odson Edward came in kind of unknown, unheralded player. And he comes in and within a minute, he scores a goal. So he really doubled the scoreline and put it out of reach. And then he gets the garbage time goal to get the brace. So Edward and Zaha get 12 and Gallagher gets eight. Massive haul from a Palace team. Yeah, definitely. And this was, again, a an upset because we had Tanganga come off with a red card. And so they were playing down in the second half. Um, pretty foolish. He was too aggressive on multiple plays and it picks up two yellows for the red card. And uh, elsewhere on the pitch, this is actually the one of the first Premier League games ever for Mr. Harry Kane with no shots and no touches in the box. So that really, you know, highlights how poor Spurs were, especially in the midfield with no sun. He was basically marked out of the game by the Palace defense and uh, just an overall very poor performance by Spurs. So I would not be bringing in any Spurs defensive assets, knowing that they're probably without Dyer and Tanganga for the next couple matches. Yeah, one last thing on this match. It's just interesting. Youngman Sung is missing. And, you know, we saw Sung really deliver without Harry Kane. And this match really highlights how important Sung is as the link-up creative player in the middle to both rescue the defense for Spurs, but also to bring Kane into the match. And they can be such a dynamic duo when they play together. But Sung really is the joy and he's the spice that that makes Spurs operate like a well-oiled machine. So he's going to be out for at least another match I'm reading, if not a little longer. So something to monitor if you have a number of Spurs players on your watch list or already in your squad. 
yeah, if you have him on your team, it's time to move on and beef up your frontline attackers. Now let's head into Arsenal 1, Norwich 0. Arsenal get their first goal of the season, and they get their first W of the season. Bucks, what do we always say about playing Norwich? Oh, it is time to find some joy when you play against Norwich City. So congratulations to Arsenal, to Arteta, and to Obama Yang for finally getting a goal for Arsenal uh, outside of preseason. So they finally joined the Premier League season formally after this result. They get three points. They're off from the bottom of the table. And just overall solid effort from the Gunners. Um, we should be said that this is kind of more of a training pitch match than it is a real sign of their improvement or just <laughs> just they're really like two steps i think behind the rest of the premier league we want to make sure to acknowledge one of the managers in our mini league jimmy lee who actually went full differential he went full send it and he captained obama yang who scored a goal so uh that was a really bold move i definitely did not see that coming so bravo to jimmy and the results that he got yeah, he ended up on 84 points in this game week, too. So his wild card uh, differential picks did quite well. Uh, I also wanted to highlight that uh, Pepe had a very solid game here. He was actually man of the match, and he had seven total chances created, which is a huge amount for an Arsenal side. And uh, he looked very attacking. He ended up with an assist on the Aubameyang finish, where he had basically made the move on the right side, cut into the left. Shot it at the goalie, and then Obbs kind of slotted in the back of that off the rebound. So I thought he looked really good, and he's a very streaky player that I would have my eyes on as an early uh, differential in the midfield, especially for some owners looking to move off of the likes of Ben Rama. You know, if you can scrounge up, you know, just about a million more, you can get up to Pepe. So this is somebody that I would add to your watch list, and he has brace potential in him in any game, and Arsenal have the fixtures. So just want to shout that out. Yeah, in addition to Pepe, which Brian just highlighted, a lot of the Arsenal players have decreased in price since the start of the season. So they're actually a great team to target certain players if you're wild carding. So you can fit some other players Definitely. into your squad that you know you might be 0.1 or 0.2 million short. So a player like Ben White gets the clean sheet. He's finally healthy. And you saw that Arsenal were a much rejuvenated defensive unit when he played and played well. So again, he's 4.4 million. So again, you want to be finding pockets of money where you can invest that into other players and Arsenal players because of their poor start provide that opportunity for FPL managers as we think about wild carding over the next couple of game weeks. Yeah, and Tyranny came in with a clean sheet and one bonus point for a total of 7. You know, when he's healthy, he's definitely a threat. And actually, the new right back, Takehiro Tomiyasu, came in straight into the squad. He was a late last-minute signing in the window, and he has very little competition on the right side. Chambers has been awful for them in the first three matches, so Tomiyasu comes straight into the side. He only plays 61 minutes in his first appearance, but gets the clean sheet, and he's 4.5 million. So I'm very curious to see how he plays in the next couple matches to see if he could be kind of a cut rate, uh, cheap attacking fullback in that lineup. Absolutely. All right, on to the next match, which was Brentford 0, Brighton 1. We don't need to spend much time on this, but nice result for Brighton, who get back on track. They get three points and the clean sheet. Brian and I are both celebrating because 
Sanchez gets the big six points in goal for the clean sheet. And I feel like that's emphasized and more important considering the amount of wild cards that there were out in the FPL game in game week four, because a lot of people were bailing on Sanchez. He hasn't looked so great to start. Brighton haven't been fully healthy in the back. So, you know, the fact that he gets the six points solidifies the way that we know that Brighton can play and they can be a strong defensive side. So I think, uh, you know, maybe that change was too soon. We didn't have enough data to support jumping off the Sanchez bandwagon. Yeah, I think the rationale to keep Sanchez is simply he's the best 4.5 option and you're not expecting massive returns. He's got two clean sheets in four matches. That's great. That, that to me is you know, what I'm expecting out of them. You know, if they were to keep 19 clean sheets on the season, that'd be fantastic. But I'm expecting them to end, you know, anywhere between 13 and 14 clean sheets this season. And they're just an organized outfit. When you compare the likes of Brentford and Watford, whose goalkeepers are being considered, you know, those are new teams to the Premier League. They're playing a lot of these teams for the first time. And so it's just, uh, you know, tried and tested to go with Sanchez. And I would keep him on wildcard. Yeah, and Brian, you benefited doubly so because you started Veltman and he got the clean sheet, but then he took a yellow card, but then somehow he got a bonus point. So he ends up on six points. So um, he was a little bit of a sneaky differential this game week and he's finally healthy. And I just think that in general, he's the kind of missing piece right now in the Brighton defense that makes all the parts kind of operate better together. Um, He's not such a flashy player, but he does go forward. And again, he is solid in the back. So uh, kudos to you. You get the 12 points, which is a nice haul from a total of 9 million combined players. Yeah, absolutely love a double clean. Would take that any day of the week. And similar to Ben White, Veltman had COVID earlier. So he started at 4.5 and dropped to 4.4. So it was another player that if you're looking to squeeze into wildcard, He's only 1.5% owned, and I'm happy to own him, especially looking at their last formation that they played uh, at Brighton. You know, they were playing three at the back, and then Veltman was in more advanced role uh, in the midfield. So somebody to keep an eye on, and he seems like a lock in their team to provide a little bit of width on uh, on the right-hand side. So I'm excited to own him. And, you know, overall, Brighton's defense, you want to have one of their cheap defenders. For sure. On to the next match, which again, another 1-0 affair, which was Leicester-Man City. Leicester get blanked by the citizens. And, you know, City, this is a disappointment considering they've been on a tear of scoring five goals a match. But uh, a win is a win, and they, they'll take those three points any way they about it. I mean, Bucks, this is an opportunity for us to roast Peacock. What were they doing? None of their streams were working on Saturday morning, so I didn't get... I wasn't able to watch the first like 45 minutes of this match. Uh, they had a couple other streams that were down. Very disappointing from NBC and the, the, their Peacock uh, $6 a month service. But, um, you know, overall, looking at this match, City started the same team for the third straight game week in a row. And this is the first time in four years of Pep coaching the team that this has happened. So very curious to see. Um, him roll out the same lineup given their immense depth at each position. Players like Cancelo and Diash are looking very tempting uh, later on wild card as they seem completely nailed. Cancelo ends up uh, taking a shot, a strike outside the box that bounces off of uh, the goalkeeper and Bernardo Silva puts in the goal to 
put them up 1-0. Cancelo, again, he's a great attacking fullback on a team that scores a lot of goals. He ends up with max bonus and an assist for 12 points and is somebody that I would love to have in my squad uh, down the line here. So elsewhere, Torres was a big target. Tons of managers brought him in going into this game week. 7.2 million. He blanks, but he had a couple decent shots on goal. Uh, plays about 61 minutes. It'll be curious to see what Manchester City's lineup for Champions League midweek looks like and how many minutes we can project for Torres coming up. They're playing Southampton. I think that would be a great fixture if Torres indeed starts up top again at the false nine. Yeah, the main concern with Torres is minutes. Is he going to be able to be getting those starts as the false nine? Because we know he can produce when he's given the opportunity. Um, just you know, earmuffs or headphones for your children if they're in the car with you. Absolutely fuck Peacock. Fuck NBC. They totally screwed the pooch on this one. You literally have. <laughs> oh one my job. goodness! We're gonna have to put the explicit uh, e on this episode, Bucks. I like it. Let I, the rage out. I tell, tell us how you truly feel. It's absurd. You pay over a billion dollars to be the sole provider of these matches. All you have to do is get the matches up. You have all these channels on basic cable, and yet you're throwing four and five matches a week on the stupid service Peacock, which is horrible. It has terrible lag time. FPL service is always spoiling goals. Do something right, NBC. This is cluster. I'm so upset, and I really wanted to watch oh this match. Goodness. I had family over. This has this has rant of the year type potential. We're going to have to put this in our, our best moments of the podcast. Buck's just going off, trying to wake his kid up by using some explicit language. Uh, I, I definitely agree with you, though. It's It was very disappointing to try and set up my multi-screen experience on my phone, on my tablet, on my laptop. I have the TV on, and then I'm not even able to watch uh, three of these games on Peacock because the streams were down. Well, all respect to the Arsenal-Norwich match, which also wasn't working, but that's not as important as what you know was probably the feature match of the weekend. And I understand NBC wants all eyeballs on that Man United-Newcastle game with the return of Cristiano Ronaldo. But come on, at least have the games working. It's like embarrassing the amount of circles you have to jump through and hoops to actually see another game. So with that, we can go on to the next game, which I just touched on which is Man United 4, Newcastle 1. I'm going to take a breath to cool down, and I'll let Brian take the, the recap <laughs> on this. <laughs> no, i got to hand it back to you, Bucks. So you're going to have to handle this recap because you brought out your shiny new Lamborghini. You hit in Ronaldo for this match. You're expecting one goal, but you get two goals in this match. Let's let's discuss this at length. I think a lot of the FPL community also brought him in just because he is one of the goats, and he proved why in a truly mesmerizing performance, especially from an FPL perspective in his first game back at Old Trafford. Yeah, so Ronaldo starts, which is important to note. And not only does he start, he gets the full 90. So that's something to be mindful of for FPL managers, but also for fans of United. He's clearly healthy and he's fit. So uh, those are both massive, massive signs of confidence from Ole. And you know, all the matches in the first half, there were a bunch of them, were all tied up at goose eggs. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, Newcastle keeper Woodward, who's a deep backup, he spills a ball from Mason Greenwood right in front of the goal. And Ronaldo 
You know, he's a legend because he scores goals like this. He's always in the right place at the right time. He slots at home. He gets the lone goal of the first half for those main fixture blocks. So huge credit to him. And then uh, midway through the second half, he comes on and he gets a rocket straight through the keeper's legs. So he ends up with a brace off it. So the first assist was from Mason Greenwood. The second assist is from Luke Shaw. So a lot of very popular FPL assets getting points thanks to Cristiano Ronaldo. Worth mentioning that probably if a better keeper was in net, he might not have had a goal on the day. But uh, that's Ooh, that, that's I for mean, a different that's for a different multiverse uh, reality that we don't have to get into right now. But he ends up with 13 points because he gets the three bonus. Uh, but then you know the popular person that was transferred out to fund bringing in Ronaldo is Bruno Fernandez. And he had a wonder strike. He scores his fourth goal from open play in four games. So he ends up with eight points. And then Messi Lingard comes in off the bench. Uh, he's staying on United, at least until the winter transfer break. So he gets a goal as well. And also worth highlighting, just Pogba gets his seventh assist of the season, which is unbelievable. He doesn't even have one and a half expected assists. So for him to be on seven is just like a massive <laughs> wow. overperformance. So uh, really like what you see from United. Unfortunately, they failed to keep a clean sheet again, which is becoming a little bit of a trend. But uh, overall, you know, the GOAT comes in, Ronaldo plays, and he ends up making all the players around him look much better in attack. So Ronaldo, Bruno, Greenwood, and Pogba, I think, all benefited. Uh, so again, just worth mentioning, I think United are a team because of their fixtures, that it makes sense to have a full boat, three players from United on your FPL team at the moment. Yeah, Bruno scores a wonderful goal kind of late in the second half. I still owned him, so I was delighted to see that go in the back of that and such a beautifully technically taken uh, ball from outside the box. It was one of those moments where you're like, wow, Ronaldo's really on 13 points and I'm stuck here with a, a blank uh, from Bruno and he he comes good he's still going to be a great asset throughout the season especially if there are ever any injuries to the likes of Ronaldo you might have Bruno back in your side but for those who did the double swap took the hit brought in Ronaldo lost Bruno and brought in maybe Jota or Torres you know it was about a wash so there wasn't too much um, ground that people made up there unless of course you had the cojones and you captained him and that's uh, that was a big move for some folks. I do want to say that the first 45 minutes were a bit frantic because it really felt like they were trying to feed him too much. And they were constantly looking for them without playing uh, more of an open style and uh, a style where they don't have to think about it. But that will progress as they get more familiar with each other's games. Uh, one player that I thought looked horrible was Sancho. He's Again, another player, a young player from the Bundesliga coming into the Premier League who is really struggling to find his footing in a more competitive and more uh, physical league. So he's a player that will come into our radars later down the line. But right now, Greenwood would be the man to start over him if it was my call uh, as manager. So it'll be interesting to see how this lineup continues to progress. Right now, you still have to hold Greenwood. You have to put your faith in him but down the line there will be more rotation once Rashford comes into the mix too so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out yeah just on the Sancho point I'm interested to see if 
Lingard actually will take some spot, some starts from him because when he plays, he does perform. So he's not just a super sub kind of player. He's really a player who has the quality to play 75, 80 minutes, if not the full 90. So I just wonder what's going on in training that continues to have Ole bet on Sancho, whether that's just a you know, investing in his confidence as he builds him up for the long haul, or whether, you know, Sancho is really performing behind closed doors. So Lingard, player to watch, I think he'll probably get a lot of run in the Champions League. All right, moving forward, we're going to breeze through a nil-nil game, which was Southampton 0, West Ham United 0. Bucks, how would you sum this game up in one word? Antonio, no! I think that had a hyphen in it, but that was the overall kind of takeaway from this game was just a very brutal performance from Antonio. He ends up with minus one and gets his second yellow in extra time. So he is sent off. He's officially suspended for the next game. Uh, We have some community questions about him coming up later on elsewhere. Ben Rama, he also blanks. He comes off after 60 minutes. I was happy to take his three points instead of two points uh, in this one. And then. Folks who maybe got Livermento off their bench, he gets his first clean sheet. He looks like the standout 4.1 million pound option to have on your side. And other than that, I think it's just a, a, a forgettable game from both sides. Um, there was a opportunity in the second half where I believe number 18 for Southampton. I can't even remember his name, but he put a ball that went straight off the woodwork um, and they could have easily won this game. So a forgettable match and on to the next for West Ham United. All right. Next up is Watford zero Wolves two. Wolves finally break the seal and they score a goal just like Arsenal this season. They add to their <laughs> count. Uh, but unfortunately, the first goal, the joy was a little stolen because it was a Watford player who had the final touch. He stoops down to clear the ball and accidentally heads it into his own net. So that's kind of a dope moment. But uh Marsal owners were not complaining because he gets the assist on that. And then he has a absolute close range shot that was a rocket that saved and newcomer to the Premier League, He Chung Wong, nets it into the back of the net. He's a new defender for Wolves. So they end up getting the double up and the three points. So massive FPL day for Marsal. He gets two assists, the clean sheet, and all three bonus. He ends up with 13 points from a 4.5 million defender. So again, we have to say it again on the podcast, second time credit to Simo Lee who started him, but also on his bench had Wong. So uh, he really (laughs) nailed the Wolves double up. Um, If he would have started Wong, he would have had a combined 21 points from Wolves defenders. So uh, again, amazing showing for Wolves. Yeah, Bucks, just to jump in here, correct you. So Huang is actually a South Korean forward. He's listed at 5.5 million coming into the game. So he's another player that might get some minutes next to Fabio Silva as Wolves try and work out their best attacking lineups. Their defense looks very solid, though. I think this is a cheap team with great fixtures that you have to consider, especially if you're looking for to downgrade money in your defense. Um, You know, Wolves have the second best run of fixtures for the next six game weeks as listed by fantasy football hub. They have Brentford, Southampton, Newcastle, Villa, Leeds, and Everton coming up some good feisty scrappy battles ahead of them. But I think they're going to keep a few clean sheets and 
you know, I saw a lot of folks go with Semedo, like you did Bucks, or play it safe and go with Cody. There's still good options, but Marsal ended up being the the man of the match here. He ends up on 13 points, which is tied for the highest scoring uh, output this FPL game week. So he's a player at 4.5 million, definitely worth considering. And I think he's going to hold eight Nori off of that position and hold it for a while. You know when your 4.5 million defender is scoring the same amount as Cristiano Ronaldo and Romelu Lukaku, that you did something right. So uh, credit to him and the way he played. Worth mentioning that other popular Wolves FPL targets, Raul Jimenez and Adama Traore, both continue their struggles. They're getting tons of opportunities, but from an FPL perspective, they haven't yet brought it all together. So they haven't scored yet. Uh, But again, like Brian said, the cupcake fixtures only continue from here on in for Wolves. So I think if you made the move to bring those players in, you're probably going to start them the next couple of game weeks. So you might actually be ahead of the curve, despite them not yet uh, showing signs of hauls. And speaking of hauls, let's talk about Chelsea with three goals to Villa's zero. Like I said before in the last episode, when you got a guy named Jed in between the sticks, You're going to be in for a long day at the office. Chelsea comes in and at the bridge, Romelu Lukaku scores a brace. It's important to note that he only had two shots in this whole match and he begged both of them, but he is a world-class player and his second goal from outside the box from a pass from Aspilicueta was absolutely beautiful, left-footed rocket, and there are a lot of goals coming for this man because he is the man in the middle he's the man that will take the most shots from any of our attacking players at Chelsea and the sky's the limit for this Blues team this season in the Premier League yeah he looks spectacular he had a brace and one goal for each foot so uh, incredible achievement and he gets the three bonus so like we said he ends up with 13 FPL points which is massive he was a popular differential captain Ronaldo was number one and actually, Lukaku was number two, and Salah was number three. So that was the way that the FPL community chose to uh, provide the armband. And those top two players both delivered 13 points. Lukaku looked spectacular. But I would actually say the player of the match was Kovacic, not something I say very often. He scores his first goal at Stanford Bridge. He has a beautiful assist for that opening goal to feed in Lukaku. And he ends up with also 13 FPL points. So massive showing from him. I thought he looked incredible. But if you were actually watching the game, the game actually really turned when Saul, who's the new player that Chelsea brought in from Atletico Madrid, he got subbed off at halftime and Jorginho came in. So it was interesting. Kovacic and Jorginho play really well side by side. And the game just really changed. Villa were actually unlucky to not score in this one and make more of a a contest out of this. Mendy looked incredible in goal. He had six saves, so he gets the clean sheet. And he gets the additional save points to get nine total points. But uh, Chelsea's defense didn't look as strong as I expected they would. They didn't really dominate this affair. But uh, just bringing in Jorginho and having Mendy in the back, that really changed the scope of the game. The second half, Chelsea just absolutely dominated. So... Good three points. Chelsea's tied for the top of the table where we expect they're going to be most of the season. Saul came into the squad, played 45 minutes, and Tuchel took blame for not having him prepared for this Premier League clash. So um, I think it's one of those things that 
he provides depth and he'll have some good moments for Chelsea this season. But uh, I also just respect that Tuchel said it was my fault for bringing him into a squad when he hasn't had a lot of time to build rapport and understand the system and everything else in between on a very organized Chelsea team uh, elsewhere. It's interesting to see Alonso come in yet again. Chilwell, nowhere to be seen. They paid $55 million for this left back and old man, old lustrous hair Alonso just out there doing his thing and picking up um, you know, another clean sheet. So he's $5.7 million. It's going to be really interesting to see if he plays more minutes than Chilwell this season and could potentially be uh, in the FPL sphere uh, for relevancy. Brian, he was the captain. So that was wild. I definitely did not see that coming. But uh, with that, I think we could leave this game in the dust, just like Chelsea left the villains. And we'll move on to another 3-0 affair, which was Liverpool 3, Leeds 0. Mo Salah, the Egyptian king, our captain for this week, gets his 100th Premier League goal and becomes the fifth quickest player to reach this feat. He was very much aware in the postgame about all of the other goal scorers who did it more quickly than him. And just proves to you how really goal hungry he is. He looked fantastic, but only ends up on eight points. No bonus. And honestly, he could have easily had a double return in this game if Sadio Mane didn't have an absolute stinker. It was one of the most frustrating games I've seen from Mane. You know, it wasn't the fact that he was just missing a few opportunities. It was the fact that he kept missing the passes in the buildup. He kept missing the open man. And then he was selfish at the end and ends up getting a goal um, in this one. But just interesting to note where, you know, you see Jota really playing centrally. He looked great, I thought, and ends up with his second, uh, you know, blank in a row for Liverpool. Better days are ahead for him if Mane can pass. You brought in Jota last week as part of your moves uh, in the Ronaldo hit. Bucks, what was your assessment there? Yeah, just to echo what Brian's saying about Jota and Mane. It's weird that Jota continues to be subbed off earlier and Mane continues to be getting the run. So uh, I thought Jota looked way better this match. Not only was he better in link-up play, but he looked more threatening and Mane just spoiled a number of chances. He was one-on-one with the keeper off a beautiful pass from Salah and he just smashed it directly into the keeper. It's like, what are you doing? But uh, It's worth mentioning Mo Salah is now the second highest scoring player in the FPL game behind Mikel Antonio and his teammate Trent Alexander-Arnold is third. So I think those players are both essential. I think you absolutely must have Salah and TA in your squad, whether you're wildcarding this week, whether you've done it already, you need those players. They are so quality and they just rack up the points. Um, Bonus stat, you know, we have been hating on Mane. And we do both agree that he is a little too expensive and too close to Salah in price. However, right now, he is the clear top shot taker in the league. He has 22 shots, including eight on target. So he's tied for most on target. Yeah, he's tied for most on target with Mo Salah and for Mikel Antonio. So he's getting chances. Whether he's delivering or not is a different story. So something to monitor in the weeks ahead. Yeah, it's just a shame that he came in at a, at 12 million. You know, if he was 11 million, maybe you could get a double up or, you know, have a little bit more budget to spread around if you chose going Mane instead of Salah. But at this point, Salah is a season keeper. There's no reason that he should not be in your side every single game week. The only thing that would 
tempts me to remove him would be an injury. He is FPL gold. He's going to be a captain shout every week, even in the tough matches. He can easily get a pen like versus Chelsea ends up on double digits. He's just uh, everything you'd want in a asset for fantasy premier league. And he's such a joy to watch. He loves playing the game. He's in the same category as Conte and Youngman Sung. They just have such joy from playing the game. And I was actually texting with Brian during the match saying if it would be crazy for a Chelsea fan to get a Mo Salah jersey because he's such an amazing FPL player. He was <laughs> once a Chelsea player. So uh, I definitely yeah, did look Bucks, you have, it. You'd have to get the Chelsea. You'd have to I get the Chelsea Mo Salah jersey <laughs> to, to, to rep that. <laughs> yeah, I looked into it. All right, on to the last match of the weekend, which was actually a Monday fixture. Love some bonus footy. Uh, Everton 3, Burnley 1. Interesting and cagey affair, actually. Burnley looked the far better team, but uh, they just got barnstormed by Everton and Rafa Benitez's side in the second half. So pretty interesting match to watch. No DCL, no problem. I mean, we have to give a lot of credit to Rafa because we thought this Everton team was going to be a little bit down to start the season. And they have made some additions, some new players in the side, especially from an attacking perspective. You know, instead of Awobi getting a lot of minutes and Sigurdsson uh, getting minutes, now you have the likes of Damari Gray. He scores his third goal in three matches. He looks like a standout option at 5.6 million as an enabler into your side. He's definitely going to be somebody I consider. Um, other goals in this one across the board. Decore sets up two goals. He gets two assists. He's also about 5.5 million. So there might be some value in this midfield for Everton. Uh, Again, DCL confirmed broken toe. We don't have any more information about how many game weeks he's going to be out. But I know a ton of managers that have a front three of Ings, Antonio, and DCL. And now they're scrambling to figure out what to do. So uh, tough times for some of those managers might be time to even think about a wild card or taking a hit and uh, sorting that situation out. But in this one, I'm just, I'm just, again, very, very impressed with Everton thus far. Uh, Townsend also gets a goal and an assist. He's a player from Crystal Palace that was always kind of streaky. One of the funniest things on the the broadcast this, um, this match was they were talking about Townsend and they said that he is a scorer of great goals, but not a great goal scorer. And I thought that was a nice, very well nice. put by the announcers um, because he he had a fabulous um, you know strike from 30 yards out, bends it into the top left corner in front of Pope's outstretched arms, and uh, you know Everton they're they're getting it done and they have some easy fixtures as well coming up. Yeah, just uh, credit to Everton and the business they did in the offseason. Damari Gray, 25 years old, only two million pounds, and Townsend is he's 30 years old, but he's a seasoned, experienced. Premier League player, and uh, they got him on free transfer. So that's great business. Uh, I'm not sure if it's in the same ballpark as PSG and some of the free transfers and great moves that they made, <laughs> but uh, notable. And uh, again, you know, we discussed last week, uh, one of the listener questions was about the teams we expect to be targeting and potentially in line for relegation. And neither of us discussed Burnley, but they have to be in that conversation. They they are starved for goals, and they really just look challenged. Uh, if they're not going to bully and muck up the game, they're going to have a tough time hanging with really any squad other than Norwich. Yes, I think they're a team that you can target for captaincy shouts game week in and game week out. All right, 
Thank you for listening to us ramble about all of the awesome matches of the game week. Now we're going to take a quick break and come back with the FPL Blues podcast Super League manager questions. We can't wait to dive into those and share our point of view. We'll be right back. And we're back. We really appreciate the listener questions that we've been getting. This game week, uh, we really saw an uptick in managers entering the FPL Blues podcast Super League, as well as questions submitted. So we appreciate that you guys are listening to the pods and taking our advice seriously. First question comes from Tyler Freeman, who asks, who are the best FPL pickups under six million pounds? And who are going to be the top producers really in the bottom half of the table? Brian, you want to take this one? I mean, if you're looking at the bottom half of the table, it's got to be Gallagher coming in hot. He's got two goals and two assists in his last two matches. He looked phenomenal. Eamon in our uh, mini league, he was in our group chat blowing him up. You know, obviously an ex-Chelsea lad uh, on loan. And he really looked fantastic in this one. He was on free kicks. He's on set pieces. Um, he's on kind of corners. It was great to see him really helping orchestrate a total domination of Spurs in this one. So he's 5.6 million and would definitely be in consideration uh, at that price tag. Another player who we just spoke about a little while ago was Damari Gray. You know, he's of age where he's really ready to take off in his career. He's 25. He's hungry. He's got three goals and three matches at Everton, 5.6 million. He's also started alongside Richie and DCL in each of those games. So just because DCL was off in this game didn't mean that, you know, all of a sudden Damari Gray was subbed on. So I like what I'm seeing from a minutes perspective where he's played 75 plus minutes in each of the games that he's played at Everton as well. Who else are you uh, thinking of, Bucks? Yeah, I like the look of uh, Ismail Saar from Watford. He's kind of passed the eye test as the talisman for Watford. He takes PKs and you expect that he's going to be getting more chances, especially since he's going up against Norwich and then Newcastle in the next two. Uh, those are the two bottom sides for expected goals conceded. And one more risky player that we should note is Adama Traore. Personally, I think uh, he hasn't proven it yet, so I'm going to stay away. But uh, he's getting the opportunities. He's in the top 10 in chances created, and yet he still has a total of zero goals. So with the easy fixtures and the potential, he's a player who obviously has to be on the radar. But I think he's a player that's priced at $6 million that you can kind of wait and see. When he delivers it, then we can buy into the hype. Great question. Yeah, Traore and Jimenez, you know, they're both at zero goals and zero assists, but they're creating a ton of chances. Uh, the problem is they're creating chances for each other and not converting them. So it'll be interesting <laughs> to see once... Uh, this Wolves team starts to get into their rhythm and put some goals in the back of the net because there is value at their price points. Jimenez, I believe, is down to 7.4 million as well. The next question comes from Jack Sudar, who asks, is it time to sell Antonio? He is red flagged. Bucks, I'm going to hand it over to you to address this question first, and then I'm going to come back with my point of view. Yeah, so this is actually a pretty popular question. I think we got four or five different iterations of what to do with Antonio. For me, he's just been so exceptional, and he's been clearly the best player on West Ham, who are a team who have been able to put in a number of goals. So 
he's at a favorable price point. So I think at least for game week five, I'm just going to put him on my bench in my third bench spot and probably not address it. He's not really a major issue. And then he comes back after Man United, which, you know, is a tough fixture. He has favorable fixtures after that. So, you know, after Man United in game week six, he gets Leeds. And then in game week seven, he gets Brentford. So he's definitely a player that I want to have in my squad. So I don't think it makes sense to be doing multiple transfers to kind of okie coking out and then bring him back in. So for me, he's just going to be sitting in my third bench spot for game week five. Uh, it's not a kind of uh, fire, ongoing fire spot for me. So I'm just going to kind of push it down the road and hope that this is much needed rest for a man who has uh, had some questionable hamstring luck in the past seasons. I'm right there with you, Bucks. I personally have Danny Ings up front next to Antonio in a 3-5-2. So this is a week where I am going to lean on my bench and I will be playing an awkward 4-5-1 coming up for game week five. But this is a player who was player of the month in the entire Premier League. He had 13, 16, and 11 back-to-back-to-back point hauls and is truly an impressive player. He's not injured, so there's no reason for you to move off of him very quickly. So this is his toughest fixture coming up, and then they have some favorable ones after that. And for me, I think he's a long-term hold. You've already built up a lot of value in him because he's started at 7.5, and now he's 7.9. He might decrease again. Yeah, he might decrease again, but he's a player I think that, you know, he has the potential for huge double-digit hauls at that price tag. I wouldn't waste the transfer on it. it, it it's a too precious of a move to make and hopefully strengthen your team else, uh, elsewhere. Even with a minus one in game week four, he's still the top FPL point scorer. So you're going to be spending a move to move him out of your squad. Oh, man. And then next game week, you're going to want him back in. So. I can understand why if you have some money in the bank, maybe you think Bamford is a natural replacement or Jimenez for upside. But at the end of the day, you want Antonio. He's a proven goal scorer and he's does the business when he's healthy. So he's healthy. Just appreciate that he's getting a kind of built-in rest in what's probably their hardest match of the season thus far. And uh, just look forward to game week six for slamming him right back into your starting eleven. Yeah, that's great analysis, Bucks. I think if you're on wild card, that's a different scenario. If you're going to, you know, change up your entire team and plan for the upcoming fixture run, then put, you you can definitely move on from him and pick somebody else um, as it's, you know, that's your time to restructure your entire team. But if you have him, I would just hold him and strengthen your team elsewhere and rest him for a week. So let's move on to the next question, which is from Corey Cummings. And he asks... What's the deal with Paul Pogba? Seven assists. He's returned in three out of the first four game weeks with CR7 in the middle. Is it time to have a triple up with Pogba, Greenwood, and CR7? Bucks, what are your thoughts here? So I love this idea. I'm not sure if Pogba would be the man that I would bet on um, because I think... as we mentioned earlier, it's a little bit of fool's gold. He really has less than two expected assists, but he has seven of them. So um, I wouldn't be expecting this uh, kind of classy form to continue and to hold over time. But I think over 50% of managers still have Luke Shaw 
And yes, Luke Shaw is making a lot of creative opportunities attacking, but he hasn't really been able to keep clean sheets. So I think Corey's question is is right in thinking is, is there a way to reset your team, maybe on wildcard, where you might want to have Bruno CR7 and Greenwood because they are attacking and they're scoring goals pretty much every match. So um, I would rather have Greenwood than Pogba for the price. Um, but again, I just wonder if there are some differential managers who might be United fans as well and who might want to have Bruno instead of Salah and structure their team that way. Yeah, it's a little too expensive for my taste, but I think Pogba at his price tag of 7.7 is an attractive option just because the team is so focused into feeding Ronaldo and he's going to be looking to play over the top through balls and looking for him constantly in the box. Uh, In this first opening match with CR7, you know, it is noteworthy that Pogba did play very deep, but his position, he can move up a little bit more forward. Um, Fred, I do not believe played in this match either. Matic was in. So there are some opportunities for him to be a little bit more attacking. And overall, Greenwood has to stay in the side until Rashford comes back. Sancho is not playing well. And so I think right now the the magic combination that most managers are going to have is going to be Greenwood, Shaw, and Ronaldo uh, up for Manchester United. So we'll see how things change. Um, overall, there's great value because they're one of the best attacking sides and you can get their one of their best creators at sub 8 million. And so they have to be on your watch list. One more thing about Pogba. I just think that he doesn't, he's not really a goal scorer in his uh, role at United. So I think that if I'm going to be spending that funds, I'd, I'd rather be looking at the other player from Manchester, which is Ferran Torres, who's even slightly cheaper. And I think I'd rather be investing in the City false nine than I would at the deep lying creative midfield for United, um, just as a thought. Yeah, we always want goal scorers wherever possible in our FPL lineup. So even if they get somewhat inconsistent minutes, the percentage chance that Torres bangs in you know, a goal and an assist in a given match and is on bonus is much higher than Pogba getting a hat trick of assists like he has earlier in the season. So I think that's a, a good way to wrap up that question. And let's move on to uh, another question from Corey, which talks about leads. You know, he says... They have some tasty fixtures ahead, but their assets have been mediocre thus far. Are your thoughts that Leeds players return to form like we saw last year, or are they wait and see for now? Bucks, they're priced to buy. What do you think here? So I think that if I still had Danny Ings, I would be making the swap to Bamford because the fixture run is is juicy. But I have been on Rafinha since the jump and the eye test, he's absolutely smashing out of the park. He had a number of really amazing chances. He was really creative. And I thought, honestly, he was unlucky to not get an attacking return against Liverpool, even the quality that Liverpool have at the back. So he had, I would say, like 10 or so really great crosses and chances at goal where he was just kind of unlucky to not finish him or, you know, one of his line mates, whether it was Rodrigo or Bamford, kind of just failed him at the last moment. So Rafinha, I think, is a must-buy. I would rather have Rafinha 10 times out of 10 than Ben Rama. I'd rather have him probably more than Ferran Torres as well, who's slightly more expensive. Um, at $6.5 million with the fixtures that Leeds have, he's just an amazing get, and I think he's well worth the money. 
Yeah, so those managers like myself and potentially like Corey who have Bruno and Ings up top, you know, a lot of players are looking to do that double swap and bring in CR7 and then that midfielder who's in that price range of about 7.5 million. You know, for me, I would rank Jota number one, then I would rank Torres number two, and then three, I would rank Rafinha. Those would be my kind of order of operations if I was determining what players to bring into the midfield in that kind of scenario. Yeah, and I think for me at this point, I would I would actually go uh, Jota one, Rafinha two. I think the fixtures and his quality uh, leads are going to be putting goals in. They play a very open style where they're gung-ho, Bielsa ball, they want to be scoring goals. So I think it's going to come. It just They've had tough fixtures or they just have been kind of uh, slightly off. So I expect that that's to come. Uh, one last question before we move on to preview game week five and some of the matches. And that comes from uh, manager Sunraj Singh. And he asks if now that Lukaku and Cristiano Ronaldo are both in the FPL game and both clearly producing, is it worth doing the wild card and making sure you have two premium strikers? Brian, I want to give this question to you first. Yeah, it's a great question. I've already tinkered with my potential game week eight wild card with having three premiums, Lukaku, Ronaldo, and uh, Salah in my side. Game week eight, you're a psychopath. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm not a psychopath, man. That's what FPL is. You got to plan. That's too much. That's too much planning. Yep. (laughs) A lot of the pundits in the community for FPL are saying, you know, you're only going to captain one out of those potential three heavy hitter premiums. So it's really better to have the rest of your lineup be a little bit more balanced. I've done a few wildcard drafts where I'm really penny pinching at every position so I can fit those guys in. And I don't feel strong about my my lineup. Uh, you have to give somebody up like Trent, who I think can deliver the same amount of returns um, that somebody like Ronaldo or Lukaku can in in this league, to be honest, like Trent's had seasons where he's had 200 plus points. And I think at his price tag, he's somebody that I want to include. So my recommendation would be to probably choose Salah and choose one of those two. With the fixture swing that Chelsea has coming up in game week seven, game week eight, you know, having CR seven now and then potentially downgrading him to Lukaku is an easy move. I think a lot of managers are going to make that move. And that's something that I would definitely back uh, coming up here. Bucks, anything else you're thinking? Yeah, I agree with you, Brian. Uh, I think the real issue is the captaincy selection. Again, you only can pick one to double your haul from each and every game week. So having both is just an easy way to have two 4.5 million midfielders and at least one sub 4 million, excuse me, sub 4.5 million defender. And you're going to have to be playing those guys on a regular basis, which is a scary proposition. As we've discussed, my play style is to have more balance and to have at least one, if not two, playing bench players. So having Ronaldo and Lukaku sounds great, and it's a lot of fancy toys, but I think you're going to get into some issues with the rest of your squad around those two. Yeah, and there's no reason why you can't have one of the great striker options in that 7.5 to 8 million pound bracket next to your premium forward. The likes of Antonio, Bamford, DCL, those are all quality guys that can easily match the output 
of a CR7 on a given game week, uh, to be honest. So I would stick with one and have Salah in your squad and build around that kind of template. But that's that's kind of our takes there. If you can pull off a great three premium wildcard, please share it with us on uh, on our social media. Hit us up on Twitter or our, or on Instagram because I would like to see the sacrifices that you're making and um, kind of uh, have some banter back and forth to see if it's really worth having those three premiums. Yeah, you definitely need Livermento and Damari Gray to make that possible uh, as uh, kind of your your enablers uh, to to make that the money make sense. With that, again, we appreciate the amazing questions. Uh, this game week is uh, hopefully the standard to come with our listener contributions, and we really appreciate managers who jumped into the mini league as well as uh, jumped on board doubly so uh, by asking questions and contributing to the podcast. With that, we're going to take a quick break, and then we're going to come back with the most notable fixtures to target for game week five, as well as what Brian and I are thinking for our transfer moves and for our captaincy selection next game week. And on to the last section of our podcast this week. Some notable matches from game week five include Liverpool versus Crystal Palace. Manchester City versus Southampton and Leeds versus Newcastle. Those are some really tasty fixtures for attacking returns. Bucks, did any other matches catch your eye? As a fan, I know I'm going to be watching Man United West Ham, even without uh, the main man, Mikel Antonio, and then Chelsea versus Spurs. That's really the marquee match of the weekend. But uh, again, these are the five matches which from FPL and from in real life, I think have the most relevance in game week five. Absolutely. So let's jump into our transfer and captaincy plans. Bucks, you got a level set with our listeners. Last episode, you lied to them and you told them you were not going to get CR7. Then you got CR7. I can let, let this one go because he is the GOAT and you had to bring him in. With that being said, you got to hold true to your transfer plans and captaincy plans this week, Bucks. What are you thinking? Yeah, so we should just mention and caveat that these are not 100% locks. Brian and I are known to be doing some late night tinkering and maybe panic transfer in a player that we didn't have before. So we're giving you our our best case guess on what we're going to do. And for me, going into game week five, I made my move and my major swing last week in the transfer window for game week four by taking a hit and making three transfers. So I really like the way my team lines up. I am going to be sticking with Ivan Tony as my second attacker and roll my transfer. So I have two next week and maybe I can make another big swing. But uh, like I said earlier, Mikel Antonio, he's going to sit in my third bench spot and I'm just going to be kind of riding my team right now. We have good fixtures for game week five. So I'm just going to you know let the team that I bet on and, and made the moves to get play this week and, and get me a haul, hopefully. How about you, Brian? Yeah, that's a pretty solid rationale, Bucks. I know you have players like Duffy who could be your first bench and have a pretty deep team at the moment. So holding on to your transfer, rolling that seems really smart. I wanted to ask you what your thoughts are on when you'll wildcard and how you plan your transfers leading up to that point. And just wanted to see what you're thinking there. Sure. So I think coming into the last two weeks, there's been a lot of talk about wildcard and there's been a lot of managers who have smashed that button early in the season. I don't think we quite yet know 
who the best 4.5 million keeper is. I don't think we quite know who the best 4.5 million defender is. So until we have a little bit more information, I'm not going to be smashing my wild card. I think the second international break around game week seven or eight, or even nine, since I have Cristiano Ronaldo, I can easily downgrade to Lukaku. So maybe I can squeak out a couple more game weeks with the team I have without using such an important chip. Um, so that's just where I'm thinking. I, I want to know a little bit more and I want to see, you know, United are a very popular team right now and they have great fixtures, but that's set to change in a couple game weeks. So I think until my team really has some glaring issues, I'm going to be holding off wildcarding. Very veteran approach right there, Bucks. I think if you can hold on to your wild card for another three to four game weeks, that'll help your overall subset of data to analyze. Team's form will change. There will be some big fixture swings. Um, so yeah, just curious to see because obviously when you are planning to wild card, that way you can kind of take a few more short-term punts um, on players that you might just want for a, one specific fixture before you wild card in game week eight. So things to think about obviously a lot of our moves are based on hey we're going to have these players for at least three to four game weeks at a minimum some players a lot longer but if you're going to have that impending wild card coming in then you can take some swings on a, a player like Nicola Pepe or Ferran Torres or some players like that so just things to think about as uh, the season progresses so for me I'm hoping the best 4.5 million defender is Marsal at Wolves because I have made three Ooh. transfers already before the deadline even approaches. I made my transfers on Sunday night and I was afraid of some price rises, but I need to get with the hype train on Ronaldo. And I had Simikas in my lineup as well. And I know I wanted Jota. So I made a move to move Bruno, Ings, and Simikas to Cristiano Ronaldo, Jota, and Marsal. So those are my three moves. I had two free transfers. So this is my first hit of the season. Ooh, Bucks, it feels so good, though. I know you took your first one last week. It feels uh, good. Amazing. I'm juiced up. I'm juiced up to have, you know, three new players in my squad to cheer for. You know, Jota was the one who really caught my eye. He has two really good fixtures coming up, and I wanted to make sure I could capitalize on Bobby Firmino being out. So I really essentially took the four-point hit to choose him over the likes of Baron Torres. With that being said, I have Antonio on my bench, so I'm playing this crazy um, kind of Christmas tree looking formation. It's a 4-5-1. It's uh, very awkward, but that's what I'll be rolling out this game week. And my captain is Mohamed Salah. I think he's going to do the business against Palace. They ran riots last year against Palace in a 7-2. to zero victory or something crazy like that. So I'm expecting more of the same. I did give a long look to Trent. Obviously, he's one of the top points getter in the entire game and seems to really be coming and overlapping with Salah a lot more this season. He's so far advanced. He's found himself a few times kind of in the box while Salah's out on the right. And I think that's very appealing for FPL managers. So there will be a number of times this season where I captain uh, Trent and uh, he's, he's definitely in my consideration this game week. What about you, Bucks? Who are you capping? Who are you capping? Yeah, so the love affair with Mo Salah continues. I'm going to keep the captain armband on him. I think this really came down to the fact that he's playing at home at Anfield and he's going to get that home crowd bump. And 
Cristiano Ronaldo is playing away to West Ham, who have been leaking goals. So he's he's in my thoughts as well. Uh, I wonder if we get on into the game weekend approach, the deadline, if I will be able to mind meld you onto Trent Alexander Arnold for differential captain's sake. But uh, you know, with that, I think uh, we're in agreement again. I think Mo Salah is going to be by far and away the most popular captain option because he's just producing. He produces week in, week out, and he looks the part. So uh, easy choice for me this game week. Antonio staying on both of our benches. And uh, yeah, that's our plan. Big moves to come for many managers who are looking to get in Lukaku or Ronaldo. You can always hit us up on Instagram or Twitter with your questions at FPL Blues Podcast. Please give us a follow. Interact with us on the social medias. We love to chat with listeners and just talk about FPL. Any fleeting moment of the day. So please check us out there. And uh, Bucks, thanks for a good pod. We ran a little bit long today, but after not potting for a few days, I guess it feels good to have actual games to talk about and uh, games to look forward to coming up here. Absolutely. Great pod, Brian. And uh, here's to a lot of green arrows for our listeners, for both of us and across the FPL community. Thanks, everyone.